Welcome to the Invest It Best podcast, a show about investing and financial markets, where you'll hear from some of Australia's top investment analysts and fund managers about their views on the market. The Invest It Best podcast is brought to you by Wilson's Advisory and Stockbroking Limited, one of Australia's leading financial advisory firms with a proud and successful history spanning over 125 years. All information discussed in this podcast is for general information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. You should seek investment advice tailored to your circumstances before making any investment decision. Further disclosures follow at the conclusion of the episode. This is the Invest It Best podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Invest It Best podcast. My name is Ted Richards and this episode I'm speaking with head of the investment strategy group at Wilson's Advisory, David Cassidy. Now, regular listeners should be familiar with David now, as he's been on many episodes. But for those that aren't familiar, David is a veteran of the industry, having senior positions at JP Morgan and, and UBS and, and heads up the investment strategy team here at Wilson's Advisory. David, welcome back to the final episode of 2023. Good to be here, Ted. So today we're going to look back at 2023 and do a review of that and also look ahead as in terms of where, David, looking at opportunities in 2024. So where to begin? Maybe, David, let's start off with what surprised investors in 2023? Well, Ted, if I think if we start from a economic perspective, uh, certainly the US economy was better than feared in 2023, the, the much talked about. U.S. recession didn't eventuate. U.S. consumers kept spending. The unemployment rate stayed stayed low. So that was certainly a surprise to, uh, I think, the consensus in line with our view that the economy was going to hang in there in in 2023. But um, even from our perspective, the, the economy was probably a little bit stronger than even we anticipated. I think beyond that sort of basic economic resilience, AI was certainly a surprise packet even though AI is not an entirely new concept, I think the, you know the combination of chat, chat GPT's tie-in with Microsoft, the evidence early in 23, just how much AI was driving chip demand from those results from NVIDIA, that really turbocharged US equity returns. Those big tech stocks had extraordinary years, a year, an extraordinary year. Um, and when you sort of look at the more recent performance of the US equity market. Um, I think the, the rapid shift to pricing Fed rate cuts um, probably caught some investors by surprise, and that's been driving more recent performance. So all up, I, I guess the surprise when you put all that together was the performance of global equities uh, led by the US. But I think it all started with the, the, the resilience of the US economy uh, through the course of this year. Now, we, we will speak shortly on the performance of the US and in particular the thematic around AI. David, before we we move on to 2024, a big and and very sad story of the year has been the conflict that's been playing out in Gaza, and and hopefully this conflict ends ends soon. But the conflict has many implications, including economics. So this is purely from an investment point of view. How have you been seeing this conflict impact portfolios? I guess the reality is we've got still two wars raging at the moment, Ted, uh, in, in 2023. We still have a war in Eastern Europe, as well as the uh, war in uh, Israel-Palestine. Um, I think at the moment, what you're seeing in respect of, purely in respect of markets, is um, 
investment markets are making the assessment that both conflicts are likely to stay con- contained. Uh, that is that, you know, the conflict zone doesn't expand. Other countries are not drawn directly into the war or either war. Um, and I think you see that in particular in the oil price, uh, which is, you know, relatively subdued. So I, I think from that perspective, that will mean the market will continue to focus on fundamentals, uh, the issues such as inflation, economic growth, the earnings outlook, interest rates. So as big a tragedy as, as it is, I think markets are looking through the, these conflicts. Um, and as long as they stay contained, that'll, that'll continue to be the case, I think. Okay. Thanks for that, David. Before we move on to 2024, I just want to uh, revisit any asset allocation changes you made over the course of 2023. Yeah, I think, Ted, if we go right back to the start of the year, we did upgrade our global equity view early in the year after moving from underweight to neutral, you know, relatively late in 2022, we upgraded from neutral to overweight uh, in early 2023, really on the basis that uh, in part, valuations looked better after a pretty sizable uh, retracement in global equities in 2022, but really was on the assessment that the US economy would be okay in, in 2023. Uh, so we pushed back on the recession view, and we also thought that inflation, uh, particularly in respect of the US, would come down significantly in 2023. So that was, the, I guess, the initial change we made to portfolios early in the year. Uh, more recently, I think it was in October, we increased our fixed interest allocation to a, I guess what we call a conviction overweight. Um, the idea was as 10-year as bonds were heading up towards 5% in both Australia and the US, we saw good value in fixed interest markets. Um, we thought that economic growth and inflation would continue to cool. Uh, and as, as it's transpired over the last couple of months, that's, that call's worked out pretty well. Bond yields have actually pulled back uh, quite a bit in the last uh, couple of months. So you have seen a capital gain uh, in fixed interest markets over the last couple of months. Um, we're still holding that position for now, um, but, but watching things pretty closely. So I think they were really the two main moves we made in uh, portfolios from an asset allocation sense uh, this year. Yeah, so they're the two main ones. I'm I'm keen to speak just a bit further on the fixed interest call in October in that, David, correct me if I'm wrong, that wasn't a consensus call. So for listeners, how, how does it feel to to make a call like that at the time when you're viewing an opportunity, but the market might be taking a bit more of a conservative view? Uh, often it does feel uncomfortable. And I think if you look at when we made the call was probably, uh, I guess, early-ish October. Markets continued to, or bonds continued to, to sell off for another couple of weeks at least, maybe maybe two to three weeks. So that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're sitting in the middle of it, uh, it can be a little bit stressful. So from that perspective, um, there were some quite bearish views in the press around particularly US fixed interest at the time, just in terms of the amount of issuance uh, in the US bond market. So there were some calls that, you know, Bonds were, were, were going through 5% on their way to 6 um, We didn't sort of share that view. So um, it was a little bit uncomfortable for, you know, two or three weeks. But I, I think if um, often the best trades, things need to be a little bit uncomfortable for a period to, to, to really get those those outsized returns. Um, so we're, we're pretty pretty comfortable with the call now, um, albeit 
a lot of investors have jumped on board to that view. So some of that value has come out of bond markets, um, but we still see the prospect reasonable returns in, in fixed interest markets over the next uh, year or so. Um, when you made the call back in October, I think you said that uh, the rates were above 5% and they've come off a little bit then, but you're still viewing them as as quite attractive. So maybe if you could provide listeners with a bit of colour in terms of what type of return investors can currently get in this asset class, and I, and I should qualify at the time of recording, it's mid-December 2023. Yeah, I guess it depends exactly what part of the fixed interest market you're talking about, but if you, I guess you start with a 10-year bond, yields now in the US are just under four, a little bit over four in the Aussie 10-year, so that's just starting running yield. But we'd be of the view that bond yields are likely to drop a little bit rather than rise a little bit over the next six to 12 months. So you'll get some sort of capital gain, we think, on top of that initial running yield. It's hard to say exactly how much, but I think the thing about bonds is that they're likely to provide a, a hedge. If if growth is more disappointing than our central case, then, then you're likely to get a bigger rally in, in the bond market. So from that perspective, from a portfolio perspective, I think bonds will act as a, a, a good hedge. Uh, if the economy continues to perform better than feared, or, or yields may just stay where they are, um, but you'll probably get a, a better return out of equities under that environment. Um, but if equities start to struggle, then I think bonds will help portfolios in 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 twenty twenty four. We've already started you know, touch on twenty twenty four. Before we get into the details, we'll start off with risks in twenty twenty four. So, David, what are the key risks next year that you're thinking about? Yeah, you know, once again, I guess I always like to focus on fundamentals. Obviously, as we said, you know, war and geopolitics uh, is always a risk. But in, in terms of, I think what's forecastable, uh, we would like to look at the fundamentals. So inflation and growth, uh, you know, is there going to be some sort of surprise on either of those key macro fundamentals? Um, in terms of inflation, you know, sometimes you hear that inflation might get stuck above central bank targets. Um, we're pretty confident US inflation is on a pretty significant downswing now, and it will continue to come down over the next six to 12 months. Uh, as the US economy uh, continues to, to, to slow. And when, when we do uh, our work on inflation at the moment, a lot of the residual inflation that's still coming through in the US is, is, is in that, the housing component. And we think there are lags in, in terms of how that um, housing inflation or rental inflation is estimated. So we're pretty com- comfortable that once those um, lags run their course, you'll be left with a picture that where, where you know underlying U.S. inflation is, is pretty close to that that two percent target, so we're pretty comfortable there. Australian inflation does look stickier. We still think it will come down, um, much like the U.S., but with a bit of a, a lag, particularly with the economy now looking like it's cooling in Australia as well. I guess the, the next key signpost for us is the um, January 31 December quarter 2023 Aussie CPI. Watch that pretty closely. Um, so we, we do think inflation will come down in, in, in Australia as well, uh, but maybe it's not quite as quick as the US. Sorry, Dave, before we move on, why is inflation stickier in Australia right now compared to the US? What's the difference? Yeah, I think there's, there's a few differences. Um, one that we're increasingly hearing about in the, in, the, in the press recently is 
uh, immigration, um, you know, very rapid uh, net immigration intake uh, into the Australian economy over the last couple of years. I think that's, that's certainly added to pressure on inflation uh, directly through the housing piece. So in terms of, you know, rents, house prices, but also just in terms of general demand in the economy. So I think just the pace of immigration's not a unique factor for Australia, but certainly I think it's particularly strong influence on inflation in Australia. Probably the the lagged impact of a, a of a weaker rate dollar that has has come through over the last um, six to twelve months. Uh, obviously, the, the currency is starting to pick up now, but but I think the the the, the impact of the the fall in the currency over the, the last year or two has probably come through as well. Um, so there are probably a couple of factors that are keeping inflation a bit stickier in, in Australia's case relative to, say, the, the US and Europe. I interrupted you. You were touching on growth as well. Yeah, I think the other risk, probably even from my perspective, the, the bigger risk is the growth outlook. While we're still of the view that the US can avoid recession, global economy can avoid recession, to the extent we still haven't seen the full impact of monetary policy tightening on the on the US and global and domestic economy, we're still watching that pretty closely. So um, it's still possible that the, the, the slowdown uh, could be bigger than the current consensus. Um, so we'll continue to watch the, the US and global economy with, it, with, with interest. Um, I think the Fed is starting to realise that now and, and starting to um, say that it's willing to support the growth cycle, getting more comfortable with the inflation picture. So from that perspective, that, that's a good thing. Uh, but it's possible that um, even if the US does continue to skirt a, a recession in 2024, the market could worry at some point next year about the growth outlook. So we'll watch the, the growth outlook pretty closely in, in, in 24 because there is almost certainly going to be further slowing in the, in the US economy over the next three, six, nine months. Um, and at some point, the market could get a little bit worried about the growth outlook. So we'll watch that one um, as, as the year progresses. David, something that's going to happen in 2024 is the US election will occur in, in November. There's a word that you've mentioned uh, a few times in our discussion, and that's about fundamentals. So how is this likely to impact markets? Is this something that is important to fundamentals or is it more just a a bit of noise around the market. I think if you look at US elections, that, that typically election years are reasonably good for the stock market on average. Obviously, there's, there's variations around that. Um, I think the market will increasingly get focused on the election as we move through the year. Um, you've got the US primaries sort of really ramping up around March. Um, and you've got the I think Republican convention in July, Democratic convention in, in August. Um, then you've got the presidential debate, September, October. So I think the market's going to get more and more focused on the election, albeit, as I said before, I still think fundamentals will carry the day in terms of uh, the performance of the, of the US stock market. But, you know, when we get right into the teeth of the, the, um, the campaign in, in sort of October, early November, uh, the market's going to probably go into a little bit of a holding pattern, but um, I still think the, the the fundamentals are going to be the, the the dominant driver of how the US stock market performs uh, in 2024. Now, on that 
Trump's name has you know has already been mentioned, and no doubt, as as to use the analogy that you just mentioned, as we get further and further into the the teeth of the campaign, he will get spoken about more. Dave, are there any lessons that we can learn from the last election that the Trump won, and potentially, you know, if he does win this next one, from an investment point of view, in terms of how markets might behave and react? I don't think it's a guarantee, but obviously, in terms of the the surprise Trump victory in, in 20, 2016, um, equities actually performed pretty well. Uh, so I guess contrary to a lot of fears at the time, it, it wasn't a, a particularly bad thing for for the stock market at least. Um, it wasn't really until COVID hit that, that the US equity market really started to struggle. And obviously he, he didn't get the, the second term and uh, we, we, we moved to the... the the, sort of the, the the Biden period, but I think general generally the lesson was um, uh, markets sort of shrugged it off pretty quickly, and um, despite it being a volatile and eventful you know four year presidential period in terms of Trump stock markets for the most part did pretty well through through most of that time until and, until that um, that that COVID correction, and even then the markets recovered pretty pretty quickly, albeit you know voters decided. Um, it was time for a, a change of president around the end of 2020. Dave, we've touched on so far, you know, the war and geopolitics, we've touched on inflation and, and fundamentals, but, you know, putting it all together at this point, mid-December 2023, what are your expectations for the year ahead? Yeah, well, Ted, we, we do go into 2024 still reasonably con- constructive on investment markets. Um, I think, you know, the backdrop of slower but still positive economic growth Falling inflation, the, the prospect of you know multiple central bank rate cuts in 24 led by the Fed. I think it's not it's not a bad backdrop for 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 both as I said equities and bonds. Um, we're likely to have to wait a little bit longer for rate cuts in the case of Australia, but I think that will come uh, later in in 2024. So from that perspective, um, it's not a bad backdrop for our market either. Obviously, there are risks around that. Um, Central case, um, I think markets have rapidly factored in uh, a fair bit of this uh, in a relatively benign backdrop. So we're not getting too carried away the potential returns in 2024 from current levels in either equities or bonds. But um, base case is it should be another reasonable year from investors. Um, we'll be watching those um, both the fundamentals and some of those X, X factors uh, uh, closely as we always do. Is there a particular asset class uh, or classes that you think could surprise to the upside uh, over the year? Um, well, I think, as I said, a, a decent backdrop for both equities and bonds. I do think, not a central case, but um, I, I don't think it's implausible that, that equities continue to do really well if, if inflation does continue to fall, but the economy uh, hangs in there. Um it's not impossible we see a, a blow-off in equity markets. We don't tend to forecast those sorts of things, but it's something we're sort of cognizant of. So from that perspective, uh, equities could continue to surprise the upside, or although our central case is for more moderate uh, re- returns. Um, if we look at sort of further afield, away from equities and, and, and bonds, um, you know, private credit, I think, particularly Aussie private credit, should continue to do well. Good, you know, potential uh, running yields on offer 
in, in that area. So um, I, I think that's also a space we'll continue to have some exposure to. Uh, so there's, there's, there's probably a couple of things I'm thinking of. And Dave, importantly, as it is a week or two before Christmas, plans for summer holidays. Yeah, that, that is important, isn't it? I think I've, I've got, got uh, myself three weeks off. So I think the, 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 the centrepiece there is um, a week in Byron Bay with the family in, in, in January. So I've been to Byron Bay a few times, but haven't been that, up there in sort of high season of summer. So hopefully it's nice, but not, not too crowded. But uh, doing a little bit of a family road trip up there with the crew in uh, early January. So looking, looking forward to that. A well-deserved break. Yeah, looking forward to it. Well, David, as always, thank you for taking the time for the chat today and providing an update on how you're thinking about the year ahead. That's it for another year of Invest at Best podcast. We've covered a lot this year from episodes on medical devices to key themes within AI, uh, the latest in lithium and the energy transition and many more. So be sure to go back and listen to those in the back catalogue if you missed any throughout the year. And importantly, subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to ensure that you receive all future episodes as they're released over the course of 2024. David, thanks very much for chatting today. It's It's been a fascinating discussion. Thanks, Ted. Um, we'll speak in the new year. Okay. My name is Ted Richards and see you next time on the Invest at Best podcast. This podcast has been prepared by Wilson's. Wilson's has not independently verified any of the information given in this podcast. All effort is made to ensure information was accurate at the time of recording. No reliance should be placed on this podcast in making any investment decision and past performance is no indication of future performance. The directors of Wilson's advise that they and persons associated with them and Wilson's may have an interest in financial products referred to in this podcast.